Welcome to the EFC Podcast. My name is Karen Stiller, and today we are joined by Preston Couteau, who is uh, joining us from Chestermere, Alberta, which is a town just outside of Calgary. Preston is part of the Forge Canada national team. He teaches uh, at colleges across the country. He's a syndicated columnist, and he's also an author, most recently, uh, just this past August, of a book called The Bees of Rainbow Falls, Finding Faith, Imagination, and Delight in Your Neighborhood, a book which is, or has been, and Preston can catch us up on this, uh, ranked as the number one bestseller in Christian discipleship on Amazon.ca, which is very impressive. Welcome, Preston. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> Thanks so much. So tell us about the book, and uh, is it is it still ranked as number one? I probably shouldn't put you on the spot like that, but it is very <laughs> impressive. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it, it, it's been bouncing around. Um, things change by the hour, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's a book that's really originated out of some experiences that I had in my community, in my neighborhood. And you, you, you write something in the evenings and weekends after the kids go to bed sharing stories from your experience and you don't really expect it to kind of uh, maybe catch as much attention as, as it has. And it's um, something that's, that's really humbling and beautiful all, all at the same time. Wow. And let me say it is a beautiful book. The cover mm -hmm. is gorgeous. It, the book looks to me like what the book is about, which is a little bit about beauty and paying mm -hmm. attention and attentiveness. Um, and I should mention, I don't think I said this in the intro, that you're also pastor of Lake Ridge Community Church, and I know that plays into the book as well. So can you first of all just give us that um, bird's eye view of what this book is about and how it came about? Yeah, it, it it's a book. Uh, the publisher wasn't really sure how to how to categorize it. It's a book about bees, a book about God, and a book about neighborhoods. Um, and it's all really about how we have epiphanies to see and experience and meet God in our communities. And sometimes we need a different posture to be able to do that. Uh, we need to look at things through a smaller lens, through beauty and awe and, and faithful presence. And all of these things kind of wrap together uh, into an experience that I had in my own backyard garden um, as we got into beekeeping and gardening. And it really helped inform my imagination to see my community in a very diff different way. And that's how, how the book emerged. And so you, when did you start beekeeping in your backyard? Yeah, this is, I think, probably my sixth season uh, beekeeping. Um, I I have been an awful beekeeper and I've been a good beekeeper. <laughs> uh, I've experienced bees. every up and down that a beekeeper can maybe experience. Uh, when you have about 100,000 small bugs in your backyard, uh, there's a lot of funny stories that come out of that. But even, even more than just uh, experiencing bugs, uh, it has been uh, taking this whole pod there's a whole new posture and perspective that you have to take when you uh, become a beekeeper. It's it's something unlike anything that I've ever done. Well, when I hear you speaking of beekeeping, I, I have one reaction, which is jealousy that you would have the time uh, to do such <laughs> an activity. And I'm guessing that that plays into, you know, how the unfolding of your book, that there's something about slowing down and mm -hmm. noticing uh, that must be part of that. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, it's true. Um, in fact, I, I didn't have time when I got into beekeeping. I was 
I was busy doing so many things. I'm a pastor. I work on a lot of community projects, and I and I didn't have time. And I think sometimes uh, God's gift of Sabbath um, breaks into our lives in maybe unexpected ways. And and for me, uh, getting into our garden uh, and getting into beekeeping uh, slowed me down to a different pace, to a more maybe human pace. And in doing so, I was able to meet neighbors. I was able to see my work as something that I didn't have to uh, hurry busily from one place to another, but that I could um, slow down and pay attention to the world around me in a, in a different way. And so, so beekeeping is uh, something that I don't view as just another project. In fact, I think that it creates the pace for my entire life, and, and it's a real gift. Wow. Now, because you're part of the Forge Canada national team, and um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's a lot about missional mm -hmm. awakening in the Canadian mm -hmm. church. And of course, that's that right. has to do so much to do with noticing what I think God is already doing in our neighborhood. So help us make that connection between what you noticed in your backyard and what you noticed in your neighborhood. Well, you know, it there's a number of people who contact me and they say, oh, bees, I want to get into bees because I love honey. <laughs> that's that's a really common thing that people want to get into. And and they hear of the new kinds of beehives that you just turn tap and you can get some honey and it's easy. Um, and I, we as beekeepers have to pause there a little bit because uh, beekeeping is about animal husbandry. It's about it's about moving at a different pace. It's about paying attention in a different way. Uh, it's about um, blessing the neighborhood. Bees travel around and they make everything grow. They make apple trees, um, produce fruit and berry bushes and whole, whole neighborhoods. Um, irrespective of whose house it is or whose garden it is, bees cover and make beautiful everything. Mm. And that is really, I think, the the defining um, conversation that we're having in Canada right now with the church and with the missional conversation is we're saying, are we, are we just trying to get something done? Are we trying to produce a product or commodity as, as a church? Um, or are we working to create beauty where we are? Are we trying to uh, care for the well-being of everybody in our place, no matter what background you come from, no matter if you're part of our church and sit in a pew on Sunday or not. And I think the missional conversation is is trying to um, re-alert us to God's work in local places. And this this book tries to unpack that through this kind of clever conversation about, about bees and neighborhoods. And one thing, Preston, that I've struggled with as I've thought about the missional uh, movement, and this is more uh, probably a confession. I'm sure this doesn't uh, <laughs> say anything good about me. Um, but I do find that uh, even when I think about it with the churches I've been a part of, and we talk about loving our neighborhood and, you know, mm -hmm. being present and so on, and we, and we all really mean it. But I mm -hmm. think that we're still all really secretly hoping that our church will grow because of it. Mm -hmm. And that it's like another way of being attractional. It just sounds better. And I, I, I'm probably the only person who's that shallow. But <laughs> talk, to, talk to me about that. How do we get away from that? Or is it okay to think that? You know what? We, um, you know, having honey from a beehive is is a wonderful thing, but it's never my main goal, right? Um, uh, even as a father, I have a four-year-old and a six-month-old. I want them to thrive and grow and be a part of something good. And churches 
church communities are something good, and I want people to be uh, be a part of it. I okay. I'd love every neighbor to be a part of of my church. What half of our community at Lake Ridge Community Church are brand new to church? They've mm-hmm. they've never been a part of it before, and they're finding something, and it's and it's good. Uh, but we've often done, and this is going to sound really really crass, but we've often done in the church a kind of bait and switch, or we don't have a very authentic posture towards our neighbors. We um, the church has sometimes really failed, I believe, to to make um, anything we do a way to get people into church. But right. but Jesus's posture, I think, first and foremost, was to love people well. And we see in the early church, as we take a look at some of the postures that they had, it was one of a patient presence, a faithful presence, uh, tending to the well-being of of community. And these are things that I think when we get back to it. Um, People will will only be attracted to a church that I think loves deeply the place that it is a part of, and I think the church is is very postured, very well postured to be those kinds of people, and to stop um, having to make a commodity of Jesus and the gospel. And it's actually a very freeing and liberating posture to take. Hmm. Well, it certainly uh, changes how we would define success, I guess, mm-hmm. in terms of things we might do or offer to our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a church. Uh, one of the first stories that kind of inspired me to consider writing this book was I was I was reading about this uh, chapel, Rosalind Chapel. It's a 500 year old chapel in Scotland, and uh, it has these big belfry towers on it. A very ornate building. And uh, just a few years ago, about a decade ago, they they were kind of redoing the facade of it, uh, trying to fix up some of the stonework. And when they were really high up on top of it, in a, in a part of the belfry that you can't even see from down below, uh, these, these, this, this restoring architectural firm was pulling bricks apart. And they realized, built into the masonry of this, of this old church building, this chapel, uh, were these beehives. They had built these, these kind of stone sculpted flowers with a hole in. And when they opened it up, there was this ancient 500-year-old beehive in there. And... They were astonished, and it made the the news, and I contacted them, and they said, we've not seen anything like this, that a church would build into itself, into its very structure, this um, this bee, this bee, this pro-bee beauty that would bless the entire parish. And, and it just struck me as very deeply that we don't make buildings often anymore that bless the community around us. And uh, we often do it to try to get people to come on in. And, and I think that that's really what I'm trying to help us have a conversation about is for the church to truly, utterly, uh, without payback, without hidden agenda, uh, try to bless the places where, where people meet. You know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about the idea of a parish, uh, which mm-hmm. we've kind of lost in most of our cities. But I, I'm I attend an Anglican church, mm-hmm. and that idea uh, certainly used to be very much inbred into it that you are in a geographical area, and that you know that is your parish. But now, um, and in fact, our church now is in downtown Ottawa. A lot of which it where it always has been. A lot of churches are leaving downtown mm-hmm. cores, I understand, and going more into the suburban area as perhaps a large church plant, maybe sometimes mm-hmm. if they're a bigger church. And I'm, I'm just wondering, does that kind of uh, moving cause a, a, a negative disruption and being present in a neighborhood or, or commuter people, like people coming in from all sorts of other neighborhoods to come to church in a neighborhood that is not their own? How does that jive with this idea? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think we ever want to put any hard and fast rules on things. But when Lake Ridge Community Church started, we had people coming from other communities. Yeah. They were excited about what was happening here. And and we said to them, um, hey, you're welcome to come, but but you'll actually experience more of what God's doing when if you were to live here. Ah. And so the so there was initially five families that actually picked up, moved right into this neighborhood. And the places where we're seeing churches thrive, there's a church down in Mahogany in, in South Calgary where, where four or five houses were bought all in a row hmm. by a group of people that just wanted to first and foremost live in that community. Another church in Australia has just began with houses together, people living in place. And when you do that, it is, it is less about trying to make the church successful mm-hmm. uh, and more about just being faithful to what I think the gospel can be about. And so I sometimes see churches when they move out to the edges, and and I often think you are missing out on the good news stories that happen sometimes when you're in the midst of the action. Yeah. Uh, I'm in suburbia, like <laughs> Chestermere, it's about 10 minutes outside of Calgary. It is suburban sprawl, kind of engineered na- neighborhoods, and, and we bought you know, one of three models of houses that are repeated downtown our street. <laughs> right. And and we moved here and, and we couldn't see a single tree when we moved in. It was just gravel, nothing. And I actually cried because I, I was sad, right? <laughs> this, yeah. This was kind of a non-place. And if the church is always moving away from non-places into cool places, um, then it's then it's missing what God's doing. And uh, if you take a, a map, which we did of Chestnamere, and put plunk down um, pins where people are, uh, there are clusters because churches grow um, by networks, they grow by relationships, they don't grow by people just looking up a website. Uh, and so as we experience that together, I just really want the church, the capital C church, the church in Canada, to experience uh, the goodness of living in place and caring for that, that place. And I do believe that the church thrives when it does. Well, and your own story is an example of, uh, you know, blooming where you're planted, to use a tired cliche. But <laughs> if you turn, you know, you your inner beekeeper <laughs> emerged and you transformed your place into something That's far right. much more. Um, right. We talk about the idea of being a keeper, keeper of our neighborhoods. Can you mm. unpack that for me? Yeah, well, um, I'm a I'm a beekeeper and there's and there's a reason why we're called beekeepers. Uh, because I can't control a hundred thousand bees. Uh, I, um, you, you can maybe put a dog on a leash and you can own a dog, but with bees, you create an environment for them to thrive. Okay. Um, it, it dawned on me as I was kind of preparing for this book, I was spending some time in the book of Genesis reading about how Cain killed Abel. Um, the, the sons of Adam and Eve, uh, you know, they were out of the garden, going their own way. And Cain killed Abel. And when God kind of confronted him on it, he said, uh, am I my brother's keeper? And it was fascinating to me that kind of right out of the gate, um, this kind of second generation of, of humans right away kind of gave up their particular call to be keepers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were supposed to keep their brother and care for them. And he's like, am I my brother's keeper? No, that isn't my job. I'm Cain. I care for me. Abel's his own guy. And now I killed him, right? Uh, and it strikes me that we've been trying, humanity's been trying for a long time to get out of the role of being a keeper. Uh, we don't need to care about what happens next door. We don't need to care about what happens to our 
brothers and sisters in, in other places, for more vulnerable people in vulnerable places. And I think as a beekeeper and as a pastor, I'm learning what it is to become a neighbor keeper, <laughs> to be somebody who does care about the well-being of the people in my community. If somebody has a baby, I want to know about that. You know, if somebody's going through a divorce, I want to be there for for them. And the net result, actually, as I give meaning to my place and care for the people there, I actually find meaning. I find my own humanity restored. And I believe that we're that we inch our way back to the garden because of um, what God's spirit happens to be doing in our midst. And that that to me is just a really powerful message and a really powerful meta- metaphor that uh, calls us calls us to a different posture, I think. Well, I, I was thinking too, as you were speaking, that uh, we would never be without a way to love people if that's how we were seeing our role <laughs> in our neighborhood. Yes. And that's, yes. that's pretty lovely. Uh, you also mm-hmm. offer um, practical uh, sort of activities or practices, or probably a better word, in your book mm-hmm. uh, to, quote, help make visible the invisible, shaping the way you see your life and neighborhood. Um, can you give us an example of one or two of those practical actions or practices? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I take I take a bit of a risk on a few of them, and I try to nudge people. Uh, sometimes I perhaps overstate things, but I try to nudge people towards different posture towards their community. So um, one of my chapters is about security, and and um, we're discovering that the more we open our lives to our neighborhood, the more we actually find security. But the more we close our lives to our neighborhood, the more we live in live in fear. And uh, so some of the practices we have talked about is just how we put our guard down with our neighbors. Um, my my wife and I, we grew up being told to lock our doors tight and, and so on. And so, but we started to kind of feel like every time we would lock our doors of our house, we would, we would in our hearts be feeling like, uh, we are saying the stuff inside is ours and the people outside are bad. Okay. I think Jesus was trying to teach us to say, no, actually, the people outside aren't all bad. and The stuff inside is yours to share. And so so we've been trying to figure out how do we make our space, our home, our kitchen table, a permeable space? How do we help leave our space open? And uh, so just challenging people even there to to, to, to open their their doors a little bit, too. And so so we experimented with with trying to leave our doors unlocked once in a while. <laughs> um, less to just let people walk in and out, but more to try to help shape our whole posture, our whole life towards our community in in a different way. Yeah, so, wow, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Um, Preston, thank you so much uh, for joining with us today. Um, Preston Puteau, author of The Bees of Rainbow Falls, Finding Faith, Imagination, and Delight in Your Neighborhood. Tell us where people can go to order the book or read more about what you're up to. Yeah, you, you can find my book on Amazon.ca. And uh, I just have a, have a new website called intotheneighborhood.ca where you can learn about some of the projects that I'm up to. Oh, that's fabulous. Thank you. And uh, we hope to get you in the printed pages of Faith Today soon so people who are listening to this can watch for that too in the coming months. Thank you, Karen. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.